finally a chance for little old Kyle to stretch his legs, get rid of the dead weight, launch what he's been teasing for multiple years now. Welcome to Sports Tate with me, Kyle. Thank you for even giving this thing a shot, downloading it and listening it, listening to it, uh, if you haven't turned it off already. This is obviously, if you listen to the main podcast, the Stephen Kyle podcast, this is the official and actual first edition to the Lispin Network, the Living in Style Podcast Network, the burgeoning network that Steve and me myself have created. Uh, it's been over 150 episodes of the main podcast of ours, so it only made sense to wait that long to now start our sidecast. So that's what I'm doing here today. So thank you to everybody who's downloading this once again. This is Sports Tate with Kyle, and this is an avenue for me. Now, this is different, right? Because everybody, you know, when we've made fun of it, for crying out loud, we record the Steve and Kyle podcast in the actual basement of Steve's house, and that's kind of the rap that podcasting has. It's, oh, it's recorded in the basement. Well, usually it's at least me and Steve. Maybe a dog makes an appearance, a cat jumping up on the table, but there's some people to bounce ideas off of. Well, if you've listened, you know that I can't really do that related to sports with Steve because I just get blank, stupid blank New Jersey stares right back at me and contributions like, uh-huh, and you got it, whenever I want to delve into a sports topic. So this is going to be my avenue to be able to do that. It's not going to be a regular thing. I don't know if it's going to be weekly. It might be bi-weekly. It might be monthly. We're just looking to add some things, change some things around here with the way we do the Steve and Kyle podcast as Steve approaches fatherhood in the coming weeks and months. We're looking for ways that we can continue to give you content, maybe add a little content uh, that interest both of us maybe separately. So again, that's what we're doing here today. Uh, an avenue for me to give you some hot takes. We've talked about my hot takes on on Twitter and they range. They're anywhere from sports related. I have given hot takes on Chex Mix, Cargo Shorts, Nickelback. So they're wide ranging and this is a nice avenue to remove the shackles of Steve and Steve's overbearing presence so that I am allowed to give my own hot takes and talk about sports whenever I feel like it. So again, I don't know how long these are going to be. I don't know, again, how regular they're going to be. And it's not going to be just sports. It's going to be, uh, I'm going to do something a little later, talking about what I'm obsessing over. A little avenue, kind of a, a little bit of Fast Five where I can delve into something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, whether it be pop culture, there's a book, movie, music, even a comic book. Maybe it's the most recent wrestling show and delve into that for a minute or two. So it's going to be a little bit wide ranging in terms of topics here. Uh, from episode to episode and in similar fashion to the Stephen Kyle podcast we're not going to number these because who knows if there will ever, ever even be a number two uh, you will notice that there is a difference in sound quality I was talking a little bit earlier about you know kind of the the mo of podcasting and Steve and I record on a folding table in his basement uh, this is literally in my basement by myself in the spare bedroom with every door shut around me that I can find with just one microphone hooked into a computer of my own that I've had for about nine years. That's where I'm at. The hot take business can't stop because you don't have the same level of microphone you have for your weekly podcast. It has to continue. The takes must be given. I'm like a take volcano and if I don't spit them out it's just going to bubble up and it's going to explode and nobody wants that. 
Nobody wants to be around a take volcano that's about to explode. So again, thanks for everybody for listening. And we're just looking to shake things up a little bit. So we'll, we'll, I'm going to get to a little bit later some ideas that I've had regarding this podcast that we can do in coming episodes involving uh, the listeners, involving anybody who sticks around for this thing to get involved. Love to take some calls, text messages, whatever it may be. Utilize our Twitter feeds that we have for now. If you're seeing this, you're seeing it on the Stephen Kyle podcast feed. Download it, listen to it, uh, share it from there. Eventually, maybe it'll become a separate thing. But for now, easier for us to just throw it on our feed that we have currently. So delving right into it here, we're, we're the week after the 4th of July. Now, by all accounts, this is kind of the dead season for sports. The NBA season's over. The NHL season's over. Baseball's in the dog days of summer. We're nearing that point where there's about three days where there's literally zero sports happening in regards to the major four sports. But boy, oh boy, does the NBA offseason ever overshadow the actual regular season and the playoffs. I, I'm not a basketball fan. I don't make any bones about that. I couldn't be less interested in regular season basketball. Maybe I'm, well, I've talked about this. I'm getting too old. I don't like seeing three dribbles and a, and a three-point shot. I don't like seeing just no defense. My The last time I really watched was the mid to late 2000s Detroit Pistons, who, allowed, who barely allowed 70 points a game. So to be able to watch the NBA change the way it has to a three-point shooting league with just a straight focus on shooting and moving away from size has been quite a shock. And I don't think I'm alone. I think most people would agree at this point. The NBA offseason is much more interesting, so many, so much more intrigue than there is during the regular season. At least for the last five years, it's been Golden State, Golden State, and Golden State. And sure, they've won mo- the majority of the titles, and they've been upset a couple of times, which I guess keeps a little more of the fan interest moving. But it's just not there in terms of the way people wait for free agency. The New York Knicks have been, and their fans have been waiting for free agency for 10 years. That's all they have to wait for. And I know what that's like. I'm a Detroit Lions football fan. Everybody has that team. You're essentially waiting, and it's the, you know, the Cubs of forever. We'll get them next year. We'll get them next year. Well, that's the New York Knicks. That's been basketball. Everybody has high hopes for this free agency in the offseason, whether it be the number one draft pick who's going to save their franchise, or in the New York Knicks case, signing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then actually getting none of those players and remaining the laughing stock of the NBA. So I listen to a lot of sports radio, and one thing that bothers me is this discussion of the NBA landscape, because... The Western Conference has typically been the powerhouse. Well, this year, the Eastern Conference Toronto Raptors ended up being the number one seed or the number two seed out of the East and winning the entire thing. The number one seed out of the entire NBA came out of the East in the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, now you have these blockbuster trades with Anthony Davis going from New Orleans to the Los Angeles Lakers. You have Kawhi Leonard shipping out with Paul George to go to the Los Angeles Clippers. You have all of these big moves, and really all that's happened is simply a parity shift. Everybody say Stephen A. Smith is talking about 82 championship caliber nights of basketball in Los Angeles a year now. I look at Los Angeles, and sure, they're better than last year. But if you think about it, there's no difference between the two LA teams with their two superstars. If anybody out there just driving around or sitting around, unless you're a hardcore NBA fan, you can't name a third LA Clipper. You can't name the third New Jersey or now Brooklyn net behind Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. The big three has now become the big two around the NBA. 
And it's a race to get that big three. The Lakers thought they might have had it by trying to get Kawhi Leonard. They didn't get him. So you have two big twos in L.A. You still have a big two up in uh, Golden State and possibly the closest to a big three when Clay Thompson gets back and you have Draymond Green as your third best player. They're... The, it's so spread out now. You you have a bunch of these teams competing that aren't runaway favorites anymore. So that's why I talk about the landscape being changed because I don't think the West is as powerful as everybody seems to think it is. When looking at the East, you have the Milwaukee Bucks, who really did nothing. They lost Malcolm Brogdon, who is a big piece. But Malcolm Brogdon was injured a lot last season, and they still did very well without him. Now, obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks made it to the conference finals before being well, summarily trounced by the Toronto Raptors en route to their NBA championship. But the Milwaukee Bucks are still just as good as last year. And the other teams in the East, you have the Nets. Everybody's raving about the Nets. The Nets have added Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant not going to play this year. The last time Kyrie Irving led a team, he led the Boston Celtics to disappointment this year. And the year before, he was hurt, and Terry Rozier led them into the playoffs of the Eastern Conference. I don't think a Kyrie Irving-led Brooklyn Nets team is your answer in the Eastern Conference, and I don't know that they're much better than they were last year when they got in as a sixth seed, barely ahead of the Detroit Pistons as the eighth seed, and I don't even remember who the seventh seed was. So you go, you work your way around the Eastern Conference, and you have the Philadelphia 76ers, who they didn't get better. Last year, they had Joel Embiid. He's still there. Ben Simmons, they, they've now traded away Markel Fultz, who was a number one pick from two years ago. They overpaid Tobias Harris, and they've lost Jimmy Butler. You have the, the 76ers, who got slightly worse, honestly, this season, and they were supposed to be, you know, trust the process, they're supposed to be one of the top teams in the East and one of the up-and-comers for the last five years. They've supposed to be up, supposedly been up-and-coming. So... You have Brooklyn and you have Philadelphia. They haven't done anything. Now Boston, they obviously had a big falling out with Kyrie Irving. They traded a guard for a guard. Kyrie Irving gone, moving on, moving over to Brooklyn. So they signed Kemba Walker out of Charlotte. He's slightly younger. I don't think he's a needle mover for Boston. Boston still has a really talented young roster. And for my money, Boston is probably the best team in the East. Again, it's just a lot of parts shifting around. Nobody got substantially better this offseason, which is kind of crazy because it's been the most talked about free agency season in the NBA and the most money bandied about in the NBA that I can ever remember watching a free agency free agency season unload. I just don't know where the power lays. I think there's a lot of value in the younger teams. You have the Atlanta Hawks with a very nice young core of talent led by Trey Young, their draft pick from last year. They had a top 10 draft pick this year. The Atlanta Hawks are going to be very good. How good are the Toronto Raptors going to be? Coming off an NBA championship, they lose the finals MVP and the best player in all of the playoffs, but they were really good without him. They were like 17-5 and without Kawhi Leonard last year. How good are they going to be without him this year? So you can expect a downturn in the Toronto Raptors a little bit. But again, I don't know one team in the NBA stands out. And for that reason, I'm excited because as a non-NBA fan and somebody who kind of thinks the NBA has been a little bit ruined by what the Golden State Warriors have done the last five years, it's refreshing to see. It's really nice to see 
multiple teams with multiple superstars. And you might be closing in another on another one here. Like I said, recording this on July 9th, the week after the 4th of July, Russell Westbrook now being involved in trade talks. If he moves to an Eastern Conference team like the, like the Miami Heat, you'll have Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler on another team. You're realistically looking at six to eight teams that have their version of the big two. And it's the way the NBA business has to be done now. No, There hasn't been a team that's won the NBA championship since the Detroit Pistons in 2004 who have done it essentially without a superstar. And then obviously the big three idea and execution came about when both Chris Bosh and LeBron James moved to Miami. And it's been that way. It's been that type of NBA ever since. So the NBA are undergoing some massive, massive shifts here and... It, Far and away the most exciting offseason of all the major sports. I don't think anything even comes close. Watching these dollars, these trades, and if anybody can point me in the direction of one person on the planet who can explain the NBA salary cap to me, I would love to take an online course and what the hell is that thing about? My God, I was trying to figure this out the other day, talking about it with, with a friend of mine. And they have a salary cap number, a hard cap number, all the trade exceptions, mid-level exceptions, biannual exceptions, luxury tax levels, uh, super max, max contract. It's far and away the most confusing financial setup of any four sports, yet it's the most exciting. I don't know who's right and who's wrong. I just think it's fascinating to look at, to watch these dollars come out, and you see they're all guaranteed. And so these 28, 25-year-old basketball players who are making 35 to $40 million a year to play 82 nights a year and then plus the playoffs, and yet they're still talking about load management. But that's another discussion for another day uh, as we look forward into the NBA offseason as the major signings appear to be all done, the major movement all done. But as we've now seen as the 3 a.m. Eastern time move by Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to Los Angeles, the NBA offseason never really rests. Moving on, though, the other big story this past week, and uh, not just United States-wide, but uh, worldwide, was the Women's World Cup, and not just the soccer par- portion of it, and we're not going to delve into the other part of it, the political issues that some of those players have been having with the president, and the way they uh, have been being looked at in the world eyes of being too cocky and uh, way too grandstanding on the national stage as they which started after they defeated Thailand in their opening match, 13-0. And I talked about that a little bit on the podcast. I didn't agree with it, but I'm also not scoring a goal in the World Cup. I'm not some girl who's been waiting to do this my entire life, and then I finally do it. Yeah, I think I would celebrate a little bit too. So uh, the United States women's soccer team wins the uh, Women's World Cup this year in 2019. They're second in a row and their fourth ever here for the United States. They bring the trophy home, which brings to light even more of the main discussion that's been going on, which is the equal pay discussion. Now, the Women's the women's World Cup is traditionally the lower rated, and that not bringing gender into it as much as possible, that's the way it is with almost every Olympic event and, and soccer event that it is. Even in the United States, where the men's team has never been relevant, they really haven't. Uh, their ratings are always higher. And now, if they made the finals, I wouldn't. Their ratings would be through the roof. They were still bananas in 2010 or in 2012 when they when they advanced out of their pool play and into knockout play. So this is 
something that has now come to light, which is the equal pay, the men making a substantial, substantial amount more money than the women's national team, even though the women's national team, much, much more successful. Like I just said, second in a row, third since 1999, fourth ever uh, World Cup they've had. And they come home now making pennies to the dollar of what the men's national team, who didn't even make the last World Cup, make. And this fight now begins. And now hopefully it looks like it's going to be changed, which it should be. These women, it shouldn't be based entirely on TV ratings and how much money you bring in. We're talking about FIFA, which is one one of the world's most corrupt organizations ever, right next to the International Olympic Committee. And we're talking about an organization that brings in billions of dollars. Billions of dollars with a B between all their tournaments and all of the fees that host countries have to pay just to be involved in the World Cup. You can't tell me that you can take you can't take a little loss on the women's side in lieu of making equal pay for all of these athletes out there competing on an international level like they have been. And it's for that reason that I think something will be changed. And there is a motion brought in front of Congress in the United States today that funding will be withheld from the 2026 World Cup, which I believe is supposed to be held in the, in the United States. As long as the women are not paid equally to the men. So I'll be curious to see how that pans out because I don't think the argument is anymore do they deserve it. They do. And other tournaments on a, on a massive scale have done this re- in the recent years. Wimbledon had to equal their pay. The, the fact that this is now coming out in the mid in the early 2000s doesn't make much sense. This has been this way forever. It's taken way too long to remedy. And it's not that hard to remedy. So it looked like the now the Sunday World Cup final with the United States women, uh, three million more viewers than the men's final last year. Now again, I did. It, it is easy to point out that the United States men weren't in that final, so the United States ratings would obviously not be as high as when they were with the women. In but you three million more viewers tuned in on a Sunday at eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time kick for this World Cup final, uh, up twenty percent over last year. Uh, in in the in the rating as well as they posted a 10.0 up 20% there 22% in the total of viewership so it, it's a matter of time they're now a national story you're going to see them on your Wheaties boxes you're going to see them on the front of all your sports magazines you're going to see them uh, for all the athletes of the years Megan Megan Rapino obviously now a a national star. Uh, after her comments about not going to the White House came out and her scoring four consecutive goals in the middle of this World Cup. Fascinating to watch. Most of America, not a real soccer country, as everybody knows, uh, but still a fascinating event to watch and see the United States women, uh, who in our eyes are, you know, beloved, unless you really have an issue with what Rapino had said about not going to the White House. But also... Uh, hated it seems or at least kind of irritating a lot of fans worldwide and outside of the united states based on their arrogance and i don't even know if it's arrogance it's brashness it's uh being confident and it's believing in the team and uh roger bennett who is one of the men in blazers was talking about the women's soccer scene and i think we're going to see a lot of shake-up i believe i mentioned this on the steve and kyle podcast in the recent weeks 
Title IX has been done a lot of huge favors for women's soccer in the United States, giving the women, here at least, in their younger ages, a lot a level playing field and an encouragement to start playing soccer at a younger age, and the women can develop more. Whereas in Europe, it's kind of new uh, in terms of allowing and encouraging women to play soccer. It's not as prevalent as it is here in America. So you're, you're going to see... A shakeup in years to come here with as Europe now plays catch-up. It's no longer frowned upon in Europe. Europe is pushing their women's soccer teams. You saw it this in this World Cup. There's a lot of really close matches between the United States women and a lot of European countries, squeaking by Spain, squeaking by France, beating the Netherlands by two, uh, but squeaking by the by England as well, only by one goal. So you're seeing a shift that in the next World Cup in four years. A lot of these United States players, you know, you're not going to see Carly Lloyd. You're not going to see Megan Rapino. You're probably, they're, they're going to age out of the World Cup. And you're going to see these European countries who have been focusing on women's soccer. So I think the 2023 World Cup is going to be a really, really big deal for the United States women to see how they hold up now against the surging European teams that you kind of saw come on this year. Now, the United States did win it. And if you would look at the goal differential, it wouldn't look like it was difficult at all. But like I said, if you take out that Thailand game that they had in early early play, a lot of these matches were a lot closer than I think people maybe thought they were going to be. That's a testament to, again, to Europe getting a lot better. So those are the two main stories going on this week here uh, that, I, that I wanted to delve into on Sports Tate. And I feel like it's important. I should have delved into this early on instead of the 21-minute mark. The reason it's called Sports Tate, if you don't know, is because I'm saddled, like I said, with kind of this, this sports oaf that I do a podcast with every week. And when trying to devise a sports podcast that we or I could do, he wanted to have a call-in number. And his call-in number idea was to try to spell out Sports Take, and what spit out was the legendary 1-800-SPORTS-TATE. So T-8, so that is... As of now, what we're going to be calling this sports spinoff podcast, the first official edition to the Lispin Network, that is the Living in Style Podcast Network here, headed by the Steve and Kyle Podcast, and hopefully in months and weeks to come, maybe some different items coming down the pipeline as well. So I did want to get into a few more things before we wrap up, and I did I did want to mention again, these are going to vary in length. I'm by myself. It's very weird sitting here by myself just with a microphone. I don't have anybody to look to if I need to take a drink of water. I don't have anybody to look to if I need, you know, if I don't have a thought on something. And even if I did bring these thoughts to Steve, I have a feeling the look I'd be getting back is very similar to the pencil holder I'm staring at on the wall adjacent to me right now anyway. And if I asked him about the NBA landscape that I talked about at length earlier in this episode. Uh, what I did want to mention, I, I talked about it a little earlier. I wanted it, It's not going to be sports only. So currently, you know, what I'm obsessing over this week, and this is going to vary week to week. It's going to be kind of whatever's on my mind. And this week, I, was, I had a chance to see Spider-Man Far From Home last week and anybody who is familiar with me on the podcast and in in life knows that i'm a massive spider-man fan I have a spider-man tattoo on my right forearm and absolutely adore the character of spider-man and the person behind the character in peter parker and so this will be a spoiler free quick uh, discussion of what i what i absolutely adore about this movie uh 
in my eyes, builds so well upon the first. It's very different from the first. Now, the standard question is, well, is it better? Is it better than Homecoming? Is it better than Homecoming? And it's hard for me to say because in my mind, it's it's just different. It's a different story. It's Peter Parker after he's gone through the events of being involved with the Avengers in, in, in Infinity War and Endgame. But the way this is blended together and brought back to Earth to focus on Peter's friendships and Peter's love life and Spider-Man's efforts, even while he's trying to search for a normal life, is such an accurate and perfect description of Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the comic books, brought to life by Tom Holland. An absolute immaculate job by Tom Holland to be able to do this. And watching the, as always, delicate balance between him trying to be a normal kid and him trying to go on a science trip overseas with you know with his classmates and his friends and still being roped into being spider-man which is he which he didn't want to do and that plays out so perfectly and it's such a uh, an age-old story of a teenage kid trying to balance well i have these powers to be a hero but part of me really wants to just be a kid and it's fascinating to watch that happen and so tom holland just did a fantastic job uh, rave reviews for Zendaya playing this version of MJ, totally different than any other incarnation of Mary Jane Watson, whether it be the comic books, the Tobey Maguire films. She does a really nice job making it her own character. And that's weird for me to say because I'm a diehard Spider-Man comic book reader and I know the story and I follow it. So it's really weird for me to be able to look at her interpretation and say, hey, that's that's unique, and I like that, but I really do. I think she brings a nice blend and a nice modern touch to a, a, the way an MJ would be in 2019 compared to the way Mary Jane Watson actually was written in the 1960s and 70s for the Spider-Man comic book. So my highest regard for Spider-Man Far From Home, and that is what I have been obsessing over this week. And now before we get out of here, one thing I wanted to mention again I did want to involve people and, and listeners and people who care about sports and who care about, you know, maybe what we're talking about here on a weekly basis. I mentioned this whole thing is based on the hot take biz and hot take business never ends. Uh, you, you know, hot takes, uh, they don't take a day off. And that's important to remember. And I don't want to just spit my own hot takes. So what I want to do is I want to get everybody involved who listens to this and is willing. And maybe maybe you have, maybe you don't think you have the ability to be a take artist, a hot taker. Well, you, you do. Everybody does. I need you to dig deep down because what I want is on social media. And for now, you can either use at Stephen Kyle on Twitter, at Stephen Kyle on Instagram. Same goes for Facebook, facebook.com slash Stephen Kyle. Or you can find me individually there on Twitter at KPAFF3587. And I'm going to do something unique in the next episode. I want to do a rate your take. So it doesn't have to be sports. It can be movies. It can be something in your day-to-day life. But I want you to send me your hot take. And what I will do with that is I'll rate your take. I'll rate your take on a scale of 10 fire emojis. And we can go from there. And as I listen, and we can go over your take and maybe see both sides of it. So please tweet at me, Facebook the show, the podcast, hashtag rate my take. And we can go from there in the next episode. I want to read some takes and go over them and see if I agree with them and 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 rate them out of 10. And it can't just be a contrarian take for the sake of it. Like you can't just say the United States women's national team is bad. That's not a hot take. That's a dumb take. And there's boy is it a is it a thin line. And when you're talking to a seasoned take artist like myself, 
You're really going to have to dance on that line between a good take and a dumb take. So please do that. And another avenue I did want to explore and utilize for rate my take, uh, again, hashtag rate my, rate my take on social media, is you can also text us. You can text the show or you can leave a voicemail. You don't have to worry about anybody answering it. Uh, and if you would like to text us or, again, leave a voicemail, Please use the number 424-30-SK-POD. That's 424-30-75763. That's the same number we use for the podcast. 424-30-75763. Leave your take there. We can play it back and uh, discuss your takes. I'm curious about how everybody else gets involved in the take business. So that's all we got for this week. It's going to change. It's going to progress. It won't all be this bad, I promise you. This is, again, just me with a microphone with the need to spout off. The technology isn't quite as advanced as when we do our normal podcast, and that is not going away uh, by any means, at least until this Christmas when I predict it's going to die. But that's all we have for this week. This has been Sports Tate with Kyle. Remember, interact. Love to see, uh, love to hear everybody's thoughts on Twitter, on, at face, on Facebook, on Instagram, at Steve and Kyle. Hashtag rate my take, and we'll talk to you next time.